Hey guys, it is Lori here. Hey, I want to let you know that for the month of June, we have a buy one, get one free going on for that Journey Well study. Don't know what it is? Go to lorikrieg.com, click on the shop page, and you can find out more. It's a devotional that people are doing all around the world, which is pretty incredible. Uh, it's for yourself or to do in a mentorship pair or a small group. Right now, it's buy one, get one free for the month of June. So go hit that deal up. Thanks, guys. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 129, Pride Month, Healthy Friendships and Caring for Our LGBT Friends, your Q&A. Hey, welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I am alongside licensed therapist, Argyle expert, and my husband, Matt Krieg. Matt, welcome back. Oh my goodness. It's like I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I know. You're all (laughs) nervous and pushing buttons or I don't know, finagling with things, but we are in our down, down spooky stairs. We've referred to that many times. I told Matt, don't make the joke about it because I said I've slaughtered that joke. <laughs> you talked about it so many times, but here I am talking about it. Um, but anything you want to say about being here? It's just good to be back. It's good to see your face, Steve. It's good to talk to, to everyone. I'm glad to be a part of it. And speaking of seeing your face, uh, for those of you who listen to this in the usual medium called podcasting on the podcast app, this is normal. But guys, we have a YouTube and Vimeo channel and Lord willing, you'll be able to watch this if everything goes through well and you can see our shiny faces, emphasis on the shiny. I usually got some shine on the old forehead. I'm not a professional, uh, but you guys can see our faces and um, even Steve's too. And so Steve, you're gonna have to be paying attention start to finish now. I know, my face, which, you know, was made for radio. I don't know how I feel about (laughs) it. (laughs) That's like the meanest joke you can say to someone. Pretty much, which is not true. You are a very handsome bloke. Okay. (laughs) But guys, we are talking about, we're taking your questions, which includes questions about Pride Month, healthy friendships, and caring for our LGBT friends. And so we're going to skip the question of the week, and we're going to punt it to next week. So we're excited to hear your answers to that. However, we're going to talk about your questions that you did send specifically for us and the first one, and we're going to, I want to go around the circle in this one, Steve, because I want to hear what's up with you. Um, How you guys been in Rona? How you guys doing with the coronavirus pandemic? Uh, When you guys are hearing this in the audience, we in Michigan are still under lockdown because we just love lockdown, (laughs) which I'm all about stay home, stay, stay safe, but we don't have to love it. We don't have to love it, guys. It's okay to be a little sad about it. Um, But I would love to hear, maybe starting with you, Steve, how's it going? What's something like maybe what's a challenge? What's a good thing? Uh, I've kind of run the gamut. I think that I was maybe a little too happy when it started, um, just because it gave me, you know, a, a natural excuse to not be super social. And uh, but what happens to me when I isolate too much is just not good things. I just kind of sink yeah. into it's very, but it's very gradual. And I'm just like coming out of it. I'm just like realizing what is going on. And just feeling kind of like lukewarm. And uh, so anyway, so I've been journaling a lot about that. And uh, I'm, I'm now, I think I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to go and say, all right, Lord, help me walk through this and take a look at what's going on inside me. And please wake me up. Please, Holy Spirit, you know, like 
uh, light the fire again, you know, that, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, mm. but, but it's been hard just we're neither Kelly nor I are meant to be homeschool parents. And so that has been oh, a challenge no. and a lot of the, um, one minute pause app with John Eldridge, just kind of like <laughs> I relinquish these kids and their grades and wherever that all might be. I'm just going to give that over to you right now. So anyway, it's been quite a, quite a interesting several months. It's hard, which I just realized I didn't introduce you in the beginning. So if those of you are new to this podcast, I'm Lori, husband Matt next to me, and that's producer Steve's voice. And so he's a producer. He makes all the magic happen there in studio. Uh, But we really appreciate his heart and mind and your perspective right now. And we feel you, bro. Mm. We really feel you. Matt Krieg, how you been in Rona? I mean, we've had our our ups and downs, definitely, I, I think. I am ready to to kind of get back to being able to see clients in the office, honestly, just That's because it's it's so it's so much more draining, um, doing everything via via Zoom via telehealth because you just you don't get that energy that feedback of having someone else in the room, and so I think that's the place that I've been hardest hit is is just the what normally I could do energy wise um, with like seven clients, and now like my energy is depleted. By the time I'm done with four, um, and so yeah, I'm really really excited for that to get back into the office. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, and our friend Kurt Thompson, he's a MD neurologist, I believe, uh, who talks about shame. Is he a neurologist? Anyway, he does a lot of study with. He's a psychologist, I believe, and he was talking about how Zoom zaps you because it like all the if communication is like 80 or 90% nonverbal. When you're in a Zoom call, you are transferring all of the nonverbals, like the subtle like finger movements and the eyebrow, all of a sudden it has to become verbal. And so you're just wiped out and exhausted. So I feel you. I have been, okay, I feel like it's just a roller coaster of emotions often. I think I'm kind of crawling out of the insane up downs. And some of that is just the hope of planning anything. It's just been a big Mm -hmm. gift for me. And so I have been saying, you know, I thought I needed Jesus before this pandemic. And I was like, yeah, no, I need him. But I think the pandemic has really been like, no, I really need him. All right, this is going to be a quick one. Somebody asked, uh, how did we meet Steve? um, (laughs) And when? And so I knew Steve in high school when we were doing... um, not Adventures in Odyssey, but something similar to in that it was a Christian radio drama. Yep. Yeah, let that sink in yep. for kids. And it's kind of like Seventh Heaven for the radio. And it was in <laughs> West Michigan. And you were one of the producer directors, Steve, and I was an actress. Yeah. Before wow. podcasting was a thing, we were kind of doing that. We were that's doing how I, that's really how I like fancy. to put it story podcasting that's had, a good way to say it it had like high quality sound design and acting that's what i'll say oh the best acting yeah. <laughs> my yeah. character's name was brooke and matt's just always laughing he's like are you in brooke voice he's like calm it down <laughs> if i get in like this kind of snooty i don't know you have your brooke voice yeah i do but, yeah i will not do it now because i will feel very embarrassed <laughs> I'll be vulnerable, but not Brooke vulnerable. (laughs) 
Okay, now we're going to do a hard shift uh, to a more serious question. So June, uh, when this episode is airing, is Pride Month um, when it comes to all things LGBT. And uh, so I'm not really sure how the pandemic is going to play into that, if there's still going to be pride parades or what it's going to be, but for sure things will get posted online. And so someone just asked, how do we handle Pride Month? Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt, initially? Well, I mean, I, I have to think about like how I have handled it. And, and honestly, like the, you, you see the signs go up and you see, you know, the, the advertisements and, you know, in the mall or in, on TV or whatever. And, and for me, it's, it's always got to be this like recognition of, of what is good about Pride Month of, of people like being able to, to be open and to be like not hidden and everything. But then there also is just the, the sorrow that I feel that so much of kind of the, the purpose and the and the unity and everything that comes from Pride Month is is not oriented toward the relationship with God. It's a, it's about something completely different. And so there's there's positive, there's negative to it. And and for me, I, I have to find myself really, I guess, emphasizing that positive that like, you know what? These people don't come from oftentimes a, a, the same belief system that I do. And so I can't kind of base it on on god Mm -hmm. and i have to look and see like okay you know what this is a good thing that that people should be able to be open they should be able to come out they should be able to to not have to hide and to not have to live in shame which is the the past that we're coming out of Mm -hmm. you know and so just to really reemphasize in myself that there are really good things that are happening absolutely agree and then i'm just going to add on is what are people coming out and forward with to be honest like so if you do put on the historically biblical view of marriage and sexuality when you look at pride month people are coming out and forward and saying this is my version of broken sexuality so that's what they're saying which totally people should be able to come forward and say this is my version of broken sexuality it's the celebration of that that I struggle with like yeah we can celebrate we see you and we love you but I struggle when it's like yeah let's I don't want to say celebrate sin but it kind of edges there now some people some churches will go and they'll hand out water bottles and just say hey we love you we they apologize on behalf of pastors and leaders and Christians just treating people poorly I don't see anything wrong with that. I see that as that can be a very good thing if that's what you're doing. And really just to get to know people, because really, how do we how do we tell people about Jesus? Like, how do we introduce people to Jesus? We go where they're at. And so you and you meet needs, water bottles, hearing people's stories. So I think that's a great idea. Um, and then I have some friends who uh, identify in LGBT world and they'll go just to kind of be around it. Uh, one friend of mine, she says, you know, I want to go because how am I supposed to minister and love people if I don't know their surroundings? So, I mean, that's valid. That seems great to like learn how to minister and be a missionary. Um, as long as you're not going with a sense of I'm going to save all you people, which she definitely is not, but it's more of a sense of man, I want to know people where people are at and I see them as future co-warriors alongside me. 
So I struggle, I do struggle when um, people in my circles, like, uh, so side B or non-affirming or historically Christian LGBT people go to celebrate if, because again, what is the celebration? It's saying, this is my version of broken sexuality. I would love if in the church, once this sin wrestling becomes so boring, that's my dream is that when we go into church and any small group, not even like the special small group for like the super sinners, but like a regular small group where I could go, you could go, my trans friends could go, anybody could go and be like, hey, this is my version of brokenness. And we're like, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And that's, there's our pride month. There it was. There was the sentence where we see you and we love you and thank you and let's keep running toward Jesus. That'd be my dream. How do we plan to address our mixed orientation marriage with our kids? There's a hard one. You know, we already have laid seeds as far as like saying what, um, saying some of our story and some of the good pieces of it. But like I've already alluded to like when we broke up, um, they definitely have LGBT people in their worlds. They definitely know that uh, people of the same sex can get married, but that's not God's best because men and women are supposed to represent how God is so different from us. And it shows us how much he loves us in our difference as male and female. Matt, have you thought about that, though? How are we going to tell them about, I don't know, my our well, journey? And, and I don't... I don't know that there's going to be a like single sit down where it like comes out as this like, oh, and by the way, what me and you are in is called a mixed orientation marriage. I, I think our concern has always been, hey, what is or is becoming more like what what is God's definition of marriage mm-hmm. and, and what has he called our marriage to to look like? And, and yeah, what have we had to kind of take and and put on the cross and and what have we i I guess gained in in being able to to try and live this out as as fully as we can and so i don't i don't know if there's going to be a time when we're like and by the way this is mixed orientation marriage because i don't and and you know me i'm not even one that likes to call myself heterosexual i don't really necessarily love to put labels on things because it 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 puts it into a camp but it, it also doesn't explain the whole story. And so I want them to look at our marriage and to understand our marriage, but I don't care if they understand necessarily that it's quote unquote mixed orientation. Yeah. I don't love labels either. Um, I can envision myself around like maybe when our kids are eight, nine, 10, when you start kind of having more specific talks, I or when they ask, maybe, but in that range, not in the six, seven, oh my goodness, we have almost a six-year-old, but in the eight, nine, ten age, I can imagine myself talking, you know, so this is what sex and marriage is, um, and then saying, you know, you might wrestle, uh, you know, God might not be calling you to marriage. We've been saying that from babyhood with our kids. It's not when you get married, it's if God calls you to marriage, so we say it so often that our kids roll their eyes at us when we say it, because uh, one really wants to get married, one's like whatever, and um, the other one's a baby. 
But she says, I know, I know if God calls us to marriage. So when we have the talk, it's not, well, when you get married, it's if God calls you to marriage. So this is what marriage is. This is why it's male Mm -hmm. and female. Uh, This is what sex and marriage is. This is why God created it is it's a gospel metaphor inside of a gospel metaphor. Now, if they don't know what a metaphor is, then we're gonna have to work on that. Uh, But how in sex and marriage, we show our spouse how God, our current and future reality of God's desire to be holistically one with us. So I don't want it to be this weird, grody talk. That's how at least I, I don't know. I felt like that every time I heard it in school or wherever, like where it just sounds so awkward and t- no matter how gay or not gay you are, I think it sounds weird and gross <laughs> to anyone. Maybe it's just me. Here I am. Anyway, um, but when I see the gospel picture, it's like awe-inspiring. But then I can imagine myself saying something like, you know what? That might not be your calling. And you know what? You might uh, wrestle with something called same-sex attraction. Or, you know, if I don't want to say that, you might be attracted to the same sex. Oh, yeah, I know that, Mom. I refer- they probably have heard about it by eight, not eight. They've already heard about it at three. You know, that might be something or maybe not. Uh, You know, that's a bit actually was a part of my story. Wait, what, mom? But this is why, like, I refuse labels is I'm not going to then say, yep, I am gay. I'm not going to say that. It's as I said on the conversation with Peter Volk, a huge reason I do not take that label, which I so respect people who do. Huge reason I don't is there's something to me intrinsic to that word that connotes a looking away from Matt to women. So I'm going to say, yeah, I do wrestle with that. But God has called me to be one with Matt. And so it's not a matter of who you're attracted to. It's a matter of what is marriage and is God calling you to it? So it's not going to be like, oh my goodness, mom's gay and why did she marry dad? It's, oh, mom wrestles with that. God called mom and dad to marriage. And the only definition of marriage biblically is men and women, because that shows the world God's desire to have to be married to people. So I hope that makes sense. But I, I hope to kind of take it out of worldly words and to put it into gospel language and biblical language because God created marriage and sex. So makes sense to me. How does that sound to you, Steve, hearing that? I, th- I think I can't think of a better way to navigate that. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish when I was having the talk with my boys, I had the gospel metaphor language to speak to now i i can now but i i wish their first kind of like education in that uh that i had i guess had the presence of mind to to go all right you know this is what this actually is a picture of but yeah yeah it's great Okay, this was a question I got. Um, so we talked, we mentioned healthy friendships. So we got a, a couple of questions like this 
is uh, how can straight single guys and girls be friends without being weird? And then I got a similar question to like, okay, let's say we as a married couple invite a single person to be in our home. How do we like navigate that without it getting weird and romantically inclined? Like, um, and they even like use Matt and I as an example, like we didn't know this was going to happen, but could that happen in our home? And those are super fair questions. And, um, Matt, you want to take a, a stab at it as far as how can single guys and girls get along? Without being weird? Without it getting all romantic and awkward. I don't know. That was, well, that's the sense I got from the question. Yeah, and I, and I guess, you know, and calling it weird, like, is it weird that someone might be drawn kind of in a romantic notion to another person? No, it's not. You know, and I guess the... the the thing that I would look at is like those feelings of attraction or those feelings of like desiring something more than a friendship or different than a friendship isn't necessarily a negative thing. Now, it's hard to navigate that when one person wants it, the other one doesn't. Well, if you're um, married, it's wrong. So I guess it's too different because if you're single. Well, no, I'm friends. Okay, so, so yeah, if no, if you're single and friends and like one person likes the other and the other one doesn't like you know, doesn't want a dating relationship or to pursue any type of marriage. Like, that's that's typically what I think of when, you know, you say, oh, things got weird. Like, because one person wanted something, the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I guess the, the feelings in themselves are not wrong. Like, in that desiring a... a closer relationship or a different relationship is this making sense it will it's not it makes sense if people are single but it doesn't make sense if you're a married couple inviting a single person to live with you yeah but the question is how can i was sorry i restated it into two different categories like so so you're right like the feelings but if you are married you can be aware of it and then you just have to, is this just like we're bound so okay why don't you navigate you're a married dude matt and okay. i'm sure you find other women attractive sometimes what do you do with that or like how do you navigate like we've had you know and i know there wasn't attraction issues but when we had someone live with us a single female girl live with us like how did you navigate that what well, i mean it's not something to pursue and so i i guess okay the the physical attraction piece is is definitely something that that occasionally you're going to notice other people who are attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, as a married person, as yeah. a married person, mm-hmm. like I I have noticed. Yes, I have seen other women that I have found attractive. Mm-hmm. Now that's me not- too. <laughs> weird marriage five. <laughs> Sorry, weird marriage five. It's not that funny, but sometimes it is. But with that, I, I guess the the danger comes in when. I guess my heart starts aligning to that person and anything that's that's more than a friendship. And sometimes, and uh, I, I hate to, to put any type of kind of definite answer on this, but, but sometimes if we're interacting with this person together... You and me. Like, where I'm not in... I'm never going to interact with them alone. I'm never going to, like, try and, like, go get coffee with them alone or anything like that. Just because that is something where if I already find them physically attractive, that my, my heart could easily become attached to them in a way that's just... that's not appropriate. Um, but it, at times, as I've gotten to know them, like, that physical attraction piece, like, can go away. And... 
they become a more well-rounded person like in relationship to you even as opposed to like just this thing off to the side i don't even know if i'm making i sense think right what now. you're because we've talked about this where you because you've told me this where you're like you know sometimes when you actually get to know a person if i'm drawn to someone initially visually with my eyes or you are you're like i bet if you actually started talking to them there at times it can be like oh they actually have flaws because when you just see someone you're writing a story you're not it's not just that we're these animals who see someone want someone even the most visual guy stereotypically there's a story going on there's a heart thing that's going on um, but then you meet them and you're like oh they're actually super flawed there's flaws Mm -hmm. and so whatever fantasy was starting to get written in your head is not a reality uh, so I think what you're saying is like to actually engage them. Sometimes that can help. But I know some people will say, and we're kind of rabbit trailing for half a second here, but some people will say, no, the more I get to know them, the more I actually like them. And there are some people for me, guys, um, that wouldn't be safe to have live in our home or for Matt that just honestly, if I, if I got to know them, like the more I do, the worse it is. So I don't think that that's like cut and dry where you get to know them and, oh, I see your flaws and now you're a human and now it's fine. Maybe, but honestly, maybe not. I think there has to be discernment and listening to the spirit. And like, I wouldn't want to invite someone to live with us in our home. That was going to be like tough all the time for me or Mm -hmm. tough all the time for you. It's just not kind. It's this metaphor we're doing is too important to jack with it. It's too important and it wouldn't be kind and fair to them. So I think that that's important. But then to go back to the single men and women, as well as, you know, married couple inviting a single person to live with them or a married couple to live with them, you know, if you're attracted to one of them, we have to remember we are siblings. We talked about this, I think it was Rachel Gilson, but multiple times, is there's no bucket of cold water like seeing someone as your brother, sister, in Christ. (laughs) That is for me where I'm like, oh yeah, that's not attractive. You're my sister (laughs) or you're my brother or whatever. So I think how can we engage these friendships? You know, you can't force them to see you as your sister or brother but you can treat them like your sister or brother. And if they're the ones who are getting all weird, because like you're saying, Matt, earlier, because they're like, oh, you want something with me. And you're like, no, I just want to be your friend. Um, maybe just have that conversation. I see you as my brother, sister, and the Lord. So you probably didn't answer everything on that, but I think that's huge to kind of really just be self-aware Like, just because God calls us to hospitality doesn't mean you have to invite everyone in. And to be real with your spouse, if you're married and you're inviting people in, or if you're single and you're inviting people to live in your house, if it's a hard issue, like, just be, love yourself enough. Let Jesus love you to be aware of who you're inviting into your home. Um, Because it's that union with him is important. And then if you're married here, and then kids. And so to protect that, it's really important. Okay, how can I care for my bisexual friend when without compromising her faith or pushing my beliefs on her? So how can I care for my bisexual or we could really put any whatever friend without compromising my beliefs or pushing my beliefs on her? This is huge. It's really like how do we walk 
well the road of grace and truth, isn't it? Do you want to start? Yeah, and I, I guess for for me, it's it's again, it's it's back to this like if you don't have a strong foundation for what marriage is, and and the whole point of it, and the the purpose, and and God's design for it, like yeah, what are you gonna say? I mean, because at one in one extreme, you could say, oh well, just run after this person who's the opposite sex, you know, don't don't go over here, and it's like, well, is that actually hitting the mark? No, not necessarily. But, but there is this sense that, okay, like, just because you care for someone doesn't mean you have to affirm every choice that they make, mm-hmm. you know, or every relationship that they're in. You can still say, like, you know, I don't, I don't think that is a God-honoring relationship, but I still love you dearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if they ask you. So it sounds like this is someone who's a close friend who maybe recently or in the last few years came out as bisexual, maybe. So it sounds like female person female friend who came out as bisexual and is now maybe dating a woman or is interested in dating a woman. So I would at some point have some sort of conversation like, man, you know, I love you so much. I would seriously take a bullet for you, which that's straight up biblical. Greater love is no man, no more than this man than this. Is that it? That he lays down his life for his friends. And so are you, if you're willing to lay down your life for them, I mean, that's killer. Uh, no pun intended. Oh, all of a sudden got morbid. Anyway, but, you know, I love you so much. Um, and you know, because I love you, like, I don't think that this is God's best. I, it's not God's definition. That's not God's design for marriage. And then throw down instead of, because guys, I understand that even the phrase, you know, that's not God's definition of marriage. That's not God's design for marriage. That can sign so straight out in 1995 moral majority handbook. So what doesn't sound like that and is actually gospel truth is when you're like, what we've been saying 10,000 times already on this episode is God wants, the reason it's male and female is because marriage is a metaphor and God's crazy about metaphor. He came to earth. He died a, a, a death on, he died a sinner's death on a cross. It was perfect. And he rose again, like everywhere, metaphor, 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 bread, wine, communion. And so this is another tangible representation to the world, to our, at the grocery store, at the uh, in our neighborhoods and in our homes god's love for the church is when we love if he's called us to marriage our spouse as well shows how god wants to marry us so if you not don't just throw the party line of i don't believe that's god's design for marriage but because god wants it to be male and female because of this and you could even say something like this uh i have no doubt that you are attracted to her I have no doubt that you love her. It's just not God's design for marriage. The question isn't attraction or love. That's not in question. The question is, what is God's design for marriage? And then we live into his will. Now, even if you say these things and then she's like, oh, yes, I believe it. Let me duct tape it to my head. That's one thing. But then that's just going to be changing behavior. What changes hearts? Because really it's, oh God, I love you. How can I will live well, God? I want, you don't, your law doesn't outline, like keep out of the fun stuff here. Your love outlines where I can thrive the most. Oh, that's what your law does. Oh man. 
oh, so like you, you actually get me because you made me. Okay. So if that's true, if that's true that he outlines where we can thrive, you're going to, if you love him, you're going to want to know where we, you can thrive. So your friend, if she's unwilling to surrender her version of brokenness to the Lordship of Christ right now, it may be because she's lacking a deeper, more meaningful love relationship with Jesus, which we all need more of that. Love empowers us to die to self. So here's a new thing that I've kind of been developing to like, how do you listen for where and how they need God? I'm always listening for suffering, suffering sentences, and hope sentences. Where are they suffering? And where is their hope? Oh man, like I'm just so hurting. Like this girl, why doesn't she call me? What is she looking for? She's looking for someone who sees her and knows her and loves her, who is never, who's never going to let her down. That girl is. She is. It's 100% true. So is a dude. If she was staring idolatrously at a dude, who never will. And so look for opportunities to speak there and then also hope. Oh, if only I could meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. The gender doesn't even matter. It's all idolatry. And it does matter if you're trying to pursue it outside of God's design. Who is your actual hope? Where does your actual hope lie? So I'd be listening for those as like your ins to talk and study Jesus. And you need Jesus just as badly as she does. So maybe it's like, hey, let's do this study together. Let's, I don't know, try and, try and fall in love with Jesus together. Well, I think the, the important thing that in everything you just said is you could do the exact same thing with a straight person who is, you know, sleeping with their boyfriend girlfriend or who is really like super concerned in pursuing a relationship you know that that might not be the one that god has called her into if he is calling this person into a relationship and so i i guess i would ask the question like do we have that same like ooh, how do i care for this person when they're in a heterosexual relationship that boundaries are being pushed too far and they aren't in that space of of kind of where god has called us to thrive do we actually care because if we don't care there then how do we expect to be able to care care well for for anyone who is in a sexual or gender minority and if you are this friend who's like pining after your own dude just because he's a dude doesn't make it not idolatrous so I think like, I don't know, that may be a wake up call. Like 87% of Christian single people think it's okay to sleep with someone and live with someone before marriage. How many, what percent of people are addicted to porn that are Christians? And Matt and I, we were talking about this last night where we're like, it's become such like a benign conversation now, pornography, heterosexual pornography addiction for dudes. But like... You guys, like, I don't say this to shame us, but I say this, like, it's the metaphor. (laughs) Sex is showing another person that God wants to be holistically one with you. God of the universe. And yet we film it. And then we're like, oh, yeah, it's every man's battle. 
I get that and that removes shame and that is so good. But there is some perhaps godly shame and I say this very tenderly that like before we start finger pointing LGBT, bisexual, blah, 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 like y'all, we got to repent for the last X decades of idolatry of marriage, idolatry of sex and marriage, and really not honoring this thing that we've just kind of eye-rollingly said is every man's battle, every woman's battle, and oh, just hurry up and get hitched and put a ring on your lust. Anyway, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to do one more LGBT one, then we're going to go to Lament. Okay. How can I be committed to a worldview that has caused so much pain and depression and mental illness for so many LGBTQ plus people? I'll just start it and maybe then I'll toss it to you, Matt, is, you know, on this repentance train, we do need to repent as a church that has done so much othering. So we have taken God's good design, the metaphor we've been talking about, and we have put legalism on it. And we have said, if you wrestle with that, some people, you get walked out the church door. You get publicly excommunicated and walked out the church door. So we've taken God's good law, which I mean that, his, where he outlines where we can flourish best. And then we have swipped people with it and been legalists. And we need to repent of that. But just because we've done things so wrongly, does that mean that the law is wrong? Does it mean that God's design for flourishing, where he outlines God's best way, does that mean that's wrong? No, we've been getting it wrong. And so how can we how can we be committed to a worldview that's caused so much pain and depression and mental illness? I think we need a new way, which isn't acceptance of outside of God's design, it's okay, what, why is this causing so much pain? Is it inherently in the law? Or is it that, okay, they're full of self-hatred because their parents told them that they're worthless and the church will not have them serve. And there is no community for single people. So if this is their ongoing version of sexual brokenness, we're not including them as family. Is it inherent in the law or is it how we are actually carrying it out? Is that it's actually highlighting areas of church brokenness, church brokenness, where we haven't been family and mother and brother and sisters, as it says in Mark 10, for anyone who gives these things up, they'll receive it a hundred times over in this life and the life to come. I think it's just tragically pointing to areas in the church where we need to come alongside whatever your version of brokenness is and really mean it, really mean it when we say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. What do you yep, got? Get it. I mean, honestly, because I read that question, I'm like, oh, you, you shouldn't be committed to a worldview that has caused so much pain and depression and mental illness. Because that's not the worldview that God has. Now, that doesn't mean you change theology. But that means you have to confront what about this worldview that we come from, that that we have come from in the past and are, are continuing to kind of navigate what parts of this worldview are actually the things that cause pain. And I think you 
you know, you eloquently put that, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, 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 I don't believe that theology is the crux of that worldview. I think it's a, a much more performance-based identity. It's, it's a shame-based identity. It's the fact that the church has simultaneously said, don't call yourself gay, that's not your identity, but get out of here because it is. Snaps for that, and, bro. And that's, that's something that, yeah, there's, there's so many mixed messages. There's so many like hypocritical remarks there that, that yeah, that is the piece that, that causes pain because all of a sudden it's not okay to experience the things that I experience. It's not okay to not know how to define myself. None of us know how to define ourselves because we're not meant to. Saying that, saying that, I was asked this question over the last, when I was in Seattle recently, and they said, is the gospel good news for gay people if it really does cause, like, it's a big cost to them? And so I will just say there is cost to giving up our lives for Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you need to be suicidal. That's garbage. That's sin. That's not Jesus. That's sin. I'm saying to be like, this is hard to break up with my girlfriend, boyfriend. Like, this is hard. It is. And there is grief. When I broke up with my girlfriend, I thought I would die. I thought I was going to die. I felt like my body was going to like shred in half. And this was before I was married to Matt, if you guys don't know my story. And, but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's wrong. That's a new health and wealth gospel for our generation is, are you sad? Then it must be bad. Hmm. We need to learn to grieve with each other. So if your friend is called to break up with his boyfriend or her girlfriend or their multiple partners, they're in a poly relationship, you grieve with them and you come alongside them and you say, this is hard, but he is worth it. And then on that, Christians, straight Christians, if your life does not have a cost to it, if following Jesus is costing you nothing, nothing, then we need to be doing some reflection in our own hearts because Paul says that everyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution. And posting a political post and people get mad at you is not persecution. <laughs> That's not persecution. You have to be suffering for the sake of the gospel. So proclaiming God's good news and people are coming at you. If we're not experiencing that at some level, I think we need to be holding up a mirror to say, well, why does it have to cost gay people so much? But it literally costs you nothing. Has God called you to move into the inner city? Do you even know? Are you asking him? Has God called you to join us in our crazy ministry? <laughs> you know. Do you even know? Have you asked? Does he want you to give away all you have? I mean, that seems pretty biblical. Like there is, I don't know, guys, there's just something God is stirring in me. Like, yes, it costs LGBT people something to follow Jesus, but the gospel should be costing all of us our lives. <laughs> And if it's not, are we actually following Jesus? 
Now, what our lives cost is, I don't know what that exactly means, but he'll show you, man. And it is going to be hard and it is going to be so good. All right, we're going to do one more. How do we grieve well, whether for trivial things or deep human loss? You want to start? I'm all fiery, so I'm like, I can sure. <laughs> you could just probably just, in. just run into it. Um, and I, I'm speaking primarily for myself here. Um, for a long time, I equated grief or sorrow with weakness. And the first thing that I, I had to do is recognize that no, grief is grief is a proper response. Sorrow is a proper response to, to pain. And that doesn't mean I'm weak. That doesn't mean I'm insufficient other than the type of insufficiency that I am not sufficient in myself because I'm created for God. And so I think you can't, you can't grieve if you don't recognize that, that grief is legitimate, that it's necessary, and that it's not a bad thing. Yep. I think how do you grieve for little things or big things? Um, So today I had a big disappointment about something and but I'm just running around with my life and I don't have time to go out and write a lament. So if there's mate, which let me just pause on that. Ideally, the ideal thing is for me to write it out what is hurting like almost write like a diagnosis or I don't know just like describe the pain like this is what hurt this is why it hurt this is when it hurt this is who hurt me and like name even like if there's sin done to me but like I can't feel something until I write it out or maybe for you listening or Matt I know you're more of a verbal processor to talk it out And so that's the ideal. And then I go to safe place, which I think was episode like 87.5 where Matt safe place prayer with Matt. So then I'll just go there with Jesus and I will take that pain to him. And then I will ask myself a few different questions, which it's like, Jesus, how do you feel about this? Uh, When have you felt this same pain? There is no empathy like a manual. There's no empathy like his. Mm-hmm. And he has experienced, he is acquainted with grief. If you like boil it down to like the base issue. So today it was rejection. I was rejected. When were you rejected, Jesus? And then all of a sudden I feel empathy. Jesus, how do you view this situation? He might show me a picture. He might give me a word. Jesus, what do you want me to do as a result of how you view this situation? Or what do, you want, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to see this? Or what steps do you want me to take? So maybe it's, hey, why don't you go to that person, Lori, and follow up with them? Or usually it's just taking the pain to him and either forgiving and confessing even how I've sinned. But honestly, getting his empathy, getting his view of the scene and then taking his marching orders for me after getting all the pain out that honestly big and small if i could do that with every 
issue I have. That's the dream. That's the, that's the ideal for me. Okay, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up. I feel like we hit some highs and lows and all the in-betweens. Um, and I am definitely hearing my kids having a struggle upstairs. And so my anxiety is very high. So if there's anything of value that came from this, that's called the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it's been really fun having you back in the studio, Matt. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, as if somehow <laughs> I'm... I don't know, you're like the co-host. I know I kind of do a lot of this, but, like, yeah, you're welcome in this space, too. Uh, Steve, thanks for holding down the fort. Yeah, you're dude, welcome. he gave the double thumbs up. Sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> this is both audio and visual. We're going to get used to it now. Right. Uh, but, guys, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast family. There is a new thing out on uh, lorikrieg.com where if you sign up to get updates, so you're going to find out about workshops, about our our book that's coming out, et cetera, et cetera. I'm actually praying about doing a lament class uh, via the Zoom to teach how to do some of that lament that I just talked about. Hit me up if you guys think we should do it. Um, but you get a free PDF blog post that's three reasons why I knew Matt was the one. <laughs> but really, it's kind of an abbreviated uh, version of our story. Or is it? I don't know. You're going to have to put your email address in and you're going to figure it out. But it's free and it gets sent to you and it's cute. Okay. Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us uh, today. Either the YouTubes. That's how kids say it, isn't it? Or via the podcasts. <laughs> but for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you. Maybe actually in reality. <laughs> if you're watching the video, can't stop, won't stop. Next week. Bye.